five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. is it good for just absolutely nothing the uh, great edwin star with uh, the seminal anti-war anthem coming out of the uh, funk and soul world war uh, i think you might have seen the genesis of the tracksuit with edwin star in that video that's what it feels like because he had that kind of, he had that top. It was, it was just kind of like leaning into the three-striped Adidas design. Still, nonetheless, pretty sharp. And a uh, song for the day. How is everybody? I should have played Ball of Confusion because that's what's going on in chat right now. Uh, you know, based on your guys. Hold on a second. Based on your guys' lamentation over the last chat, I decided to try something different. And it doesn't mean that I'll stay with this chat, by the way. I could do something else. We could play around, find one that you like. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, anyway, I get back to them. Yes, I know, you're very upset about and nervous about war. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. What is it good for? What is it good for? The cats of the world are against war. They have, they, they have chimed in and they are against war. So I was going to talk about Vicki Newland and the rise of the neocons and what they did with basically... talk about them a little bit so i was up till shit maybe about two in the morning last night so i was texting back and forth with misaki then paul from england chimed in and i was just following what was going on because it was all it was all breaking just after uh just after midnight so i was trying to get caught up on a lot of the details i've got some video that i'll play you of Supposedly, what the Russians did and uh, some of the damage. So to recap, if you're not aware of what's happening, uh, Vladimir, okay, so let's back up. Let's go back to the sanctions because that was one of the things I was going to talk about today because you know, we're on a very fast-moving train. And by the way, the Pluto return 
didn't really start until 223, which I talked about. It doesn't really go into 27 Capricorn until the 23rd of February. And so here we are, the 23rd of February, and boom, things are kicking in big time. So Putin, what Putin did is he recognized uh, Donetsk and Lugansk, which we talked about yesterday, and um, basically established a front in that part of Western Ukraine. And it's like, okay, well, people thought, okay, he did that, smart move. And then, then he got hit with the sanctions. So let me tell you a little bit about the sanctions. I'm not going to go through the the uh, uh, the roster of the entirety of the sanctions, but I can summarize what they did to Russia. So maybe an Astrocat coffee mug, an Astrocat shirt. I've got uh, Lady Artemis working on that. It's all part of trying to, you know, here I am gearing up and trying to get my A game together here. And uh, the uh, the world seems to be kind of falling into place with this uh, apocalyptic script that they're writing out. And it, and it is a script, right? It's a total script. So let's talk about the sanctions. By the way, you're listening to 15 Minutes of Flame or you're watching 15 Minutes of Flame if you're over on the website. And if you're listening to the podcast, welcome to that. Podcast has taken off a little bit, uh, mostly from the embeds on the site. Although every now and then I do get a few listens on Spotify and Podcast Addict. Uh, it's now available on iTunes and iHeartRadio. So this is setting up the distribution network. And I think we're going to start another channel just for the Friday forecast also in the podcast realm and upload some of those. So I think it could be a, it's a, it's a, just something I've been wanting to do for a while. We're pretty adamant that they really enjoy just listening to the podcast. And now you can do that. And there, of course, some of you would like to, watch the show live and interact. And I'll check in with you in the chat in a little bit. I checked in this morning and you guys were pulling your hair out. Look, nothing is fixed there. So I'm just trying things out. Okay, I'm starting with one client. It doesn't mean that we have to use that client. I could use another client. There's plenty of chat clients out there. I use one, honestly, it was free. Just like Chatango was, Chatango was free. which the uh, BoxCast chat was. I actually liked that chat. And I tried, by the way, to take this chat and put it underneath the BoxCast TV window, but it doesn't show up right underneath the window. 
I even embedded it in the text for the window and it shows up probably about maybe a good two inches down the screen. Uh, me and Rosie. So, God, I'm having issues with the internet too. I've been having inter internet issues for, well, ever since last night, I was watching a live stream from Crimea, not Crimea, um, Ukraine, and then the internet went out. Like, oh, that's interesting. So a lot of what I was doing was based on just using my phone. Yes, I know. I know. I think we might be seeing a lot more of that, by the way. All right, let's talk about the sanctions and what and what what they were and who they targeted and what were the entities targeting Russia. So the United States, Great Britain, and Germany were the three countries that targeted Russia with sanctions. There were a number of bank accounts that were frozen. And these were, they call them oligarchs, okay? And what they, what they were is they were, are, not just were, what they are is Putin's inner circle. So his second in command, third in command. It's a nepotistic country. A lot, in a lot of cases, their sons were also involved because they had positions underneath them. And that's, that's what happens in the Soviet, former Soviet Union. If you go back and you look at the development of the Soviet Union, um, if, you, you go, if, you, if you look at how, how you got ahead, okay. So let's say you were a soldier in the Red Army at one point. And then you rose through the ranks and let's see, you became a colonel or maybe a general in the Red Army. You'd have a pretty good life, actually. You'd have a fairly nice house that the state would give you. You would have better food than somebody working at, you know, one of the Somebody who's from there. I apologize for... Mis, uh, mis, uh, mispronouncing it, you get, you'd have a much better life. That's just bottom line, right? And you'd have a car, maybe a shitty car, like a Trabant, but you'd still have a car. If you were really high up, you might have an imported car. You might have something like a, a Mercedes from Germany, quite possible. Um, but you had a good life, right? But when you die, the state takes everything back. So the idea is that if you have children, especially males, your goal is to get them into either a state-sponsored company or state-sponsored medicine or, or the army. And those were the things that do everything in your power to make sure that your kid or kids were able to enjoy the fruits of the system. So there's, there's a nepotistic um, relationship built into this system. And it goes back a ways. 
And that's why you see a lot of father and sons that are connected inside of Putin's inner circle. That's just the way things have evolved in the Soviet Union or former, well, in the Soviet Union, post-Soviet Union. So his inner circle got hit. There, there are accounts that were frozen. A number of banks were, were frozen. There were limitations on what Russia could theoretically Congress or Senate or whatever you call the, the the governing body that basically votes for whatever Putin wants, um, they all voted to recognize these two new independent states in Ukraine. They targeted each and every one of them too, so they got real fractal. It's sort of it's sort of like the Canadian trucker thing. If you fed a Canadian trucker, if you gave them coffee or you gave them ice. They went after you, right? They, they're like going after the people that supported the people that they believe were the problem, which is the same thing as what's happening or what happened with the sanctions. And they're fairly severe, pretty, pretty severe. And so in uh, Russia, uh, they had their accounts frozen in the UK and they were not allowed to come back to the UK. So that means that any kind of money that they had there. And I'm sure they had some because there's a relationship with oligarchs and in England, they're just frozen out. The big one was Germany. And this, this is, this is a head scratcher. Germany decertified Nord Stream 2. And if you've been following what's going on with Germany, um, they're, they're about, two weeks out from having absolutely no natural gas. So they're like, screw it. We're not going to, we're going to cut that. We're going to cut this market off from the rush. And if you don't, you're going to freeze your fucking people out, which means that they're going to blame, they're going to blame uh, Putin and they're going to set the, European people against Putin because the Nord Stream is the thing that has been sending gas, natural gas. If Nord Stream went now or Nord Stream 2, it's been sending natural gas into Europe. And the United States has been anti-Nord Stream for, even when Trump was president, he's like anti-Nord Stream. So this, this is a very, these were the things that set everything in motion. And, um, I was talking with Glenn Streeter the other day and he brought up a point and he said the country 80% of the time wins a war. And that's what happened. Russia struck first. And we believe they struck first. Again, we have to sort through the rubble and the details. I'm going to play some video of what's happened and you can, you can make up your mind as to, or, or at least do your best to sort through the rubble of debris and evidence that uh, the Russians were the ones that were involved. Because, of course, we know that if they wanted to, they could, they being the United States, NATO, they could have they could have run their program. They could have been the ones that are exploding these bombs. I mean, I'm just telling you, it could happen. I'm not saying that that's the way it went down. But we can't discount anything at this point. Uh, but the Russians said they were going to attack, and lo and behold, uh, that's what we have. We have an attack situation. So I started to watch 
around midnight, I started to watch a video of uh, Kiev. It was a live stream. I'll see if I can try to find a live stream. And, and so I'm watching it, and then the internet goes out. And then I started to talk with uh, Masaki. We're texting back and forth. And I go back to watch that live stream, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, that's just a fucking loop. It took me about five minutes to focus on it because I didn't have enough time to make uh, an, uh, a, you know, a judgment or an assessment as to what was really. There's shit going on there, but we're not seeing it. It's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine in, in uh, Kiev. So that was an interesting development. Anyway, the sanctions now have this ripple effect. And Russia has decided that it is not going to export ammonia nitrate to the United States. That's a big deal. Because Russia comprises 60% of the ammonia nitrate that the United States uses for its uh, massive production of crops, big agra. Do you know where the other 40% of ammonia nitrate comes from? Most of it comes from China. So now all China has to do is say, ah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna slow down on that ammonia nitrate. We could be down to 10 to 15% of ammonia nitrate, which means guess what? We are going to have a massive food crisis because they won't have the fertilizer to get this stuff to grow, right? So that's a, that's a pretty big issue. And it has a ripple effect. Oil last night when I went to bed, it was right around $100 a barrel. Let's find out what the price of oil is right now. And by the way, Chatlandia, I will check in with you. Or Chataria, I will check in with you just to see how, how much you hate this new client. Uh, let's see, price of oil. Let's check it out. So oil is at $105 a barrel. Uh, let's see. Stocks sink and oil prices jump as the markets reel from Russia's attack on Ukraine. So oil went up 8%. Uh, let's see. Global, global equity markets drop as gold hits its 17-month high. Isn't that interesting? So now we have gold on the rise. I think the crypto markets are taking a beating right now. So we're right at, uh, at this point, we're right at 99.38 for oil. That'll have a ripple effect. What's going on with the Dow? Let's see what the Dow is. The Dow is down 697%. That's a pretty big fucking drop. It was trading at 32,800 and now it's around, it's rebounded a little bit. Uh, it's at 32,495. So it's down pretty significantly, 697 point drop. Pretty big global to Ukraine. 
The next shoe to drop, the 125-year-old Dow Industries are on brink of correction. Usually what happens with a war is that you'll have a massive dip and then you'll have uh, a, a big bull that can come out of it. Although I'm not sure this is how this is going to play out. So the Dow is down. Uh, so it's at 32,434. Let's take a look at Bitcoin, see where Bitcoin is at. Bitcoin's at uh, 35,000. It's down uh, 1,553. So that's 4.17% today. And a day ago, it was at 37,000. So it's basically, it's making a bit of a rebound. Looks like some people were buying on the low, getting up on, on up on the high, and then dumping again. So let me give you a, a bit of a, a visual for Bitcoin so you can see where Bitcoin's at. I got that song in my head now. Whoa. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. I got a screen share here. Where is it? Where's my screen share? Yeah, there we go. Yep. So you can see here, this was uh, one month ago, we were at 37,000. Right. Five days ago, we were here. And this is at 12, this uh, 12 p.m. Well, it's not 12 p.m. yet. 9 a.m. It was down here at 34. So everything is dropping. The uh, futures market also way down. So if you were shorting things, guess what? It's your lucky day. Uh, let's see, S&P live up, updates, trying to figure out where we are with this. Stock tumbles after Russian attack on Ukraine. Futures, get the latest chart. Let's look at Bloomberg. Let's see where we are with the futures. Uh, yep, yeah, everything is down. The Dow is down minus 700. S&P down 63. The NASDAQ is down 130. Uh, everything is Mexican IPC. So these are global markets. Let me just see here. We got um, Euro stocks down 150, FT FTSC down 259, uh, QX Lind, whatever that is, big drop, 614. Uh, let's see, ST Lind is down 893. Swiss, the Swiss market is down 302. OMX Copenhagen, all these companies, all these entities. Uh, I don't know what MICX is, but it's down 87,125. So Asia Pacific, everything is down across the board with the exception of KLCI, which is unchanged, whatever that is. Uh, it is the only global market affected by what's taking place. 
So what happens next? Well, that's a good question. Before I answer that question, why don't we go in and see if we can find out what happened? And uh, I'm going to try to find you some footage that might be uh, meaningful here. Let me see. I got to get into my... Where are we? Let's get into my IP. By the way, I always use uh, a... Uh, easier to get into certain things let's put it that way harder to get into other things but easier for other things okay so it's always funny when i use a an ip client from uh, another country i think it was using romania or something like that or moldova and then you get ads like you go into youtube and you get ads from that country because youtube sees where you're coming from it's like oh okay you're coming from Romania. Let's give you some Romanian ads. All right, here we go. We're going to look at some damage videos from Ukraine. If they are the real deal, uh, if they are not wag the dog videos, we're going to look at some of the damage that's been done. Uh, it looks fairly significant. Here we go. Let's do a little screen share. So if you're watching the screen now, if you're not watching the screen, you can see that uh, there is a... You can actually see that there's firing So that's the airport by the that I just showed you, the Nikolaev Airport in Kherson. Uh, this is the airport in Ivano Frankivsk, Frank Frankivsk, Ivano Frankivsk. Go play this. So I'm going to make, uh, here we go. Let's make it right here. And away we go. So you can see explosions in the background. There's large plumes of smoke. 
people are kind of walking around, got their hands in the air, basically saying, what the fuck do we do now? So we've got that. And let's see what else we have here. It's not Biden. We know it's not Biden. It's Obama. It's Susan Rice. It's Valerie Jarrett. These are these are the architects, Victoria Newland, because they are gearing up to essentially use this war as an economic tool against the people of the United States. So one of the things that they can do is they can blame Russia for cutting a cable. And there are these massive cables that are, are dropped across. About that, but we do know that these cables do exist. They've been cut before. And there, there's also not just the cutting of the cable, but there's also things like cyber attacks, ransomware, and they could easily pull a cyber attack on banks. They could easily drop down your internet. There's a lot of things that could happen and they could, they could obviously blame it on Russia and we could be in free fall with the economy. So this is, this, this is what I was talking about on the Sunday night show, because ultimately the, the Pluto return in the US chart has a lot to do with the economy and security and hard assets. Okay. So we're, we're in it now. We are, we are in, we are in this new phase. They ended the coronavirus phase. And the reason why they ended it is because what Moderna and Pfizer was doing is that they were creating and J and J, but mostly Moderna, they were creating a dump and pump right? A, a pump and dump. That's what they were doing. They pumped up the need for these vaccines. They raised their stock price because they were selling shitloads of these mRNA death shots. And um, they started dumping their stock. Stefan Bansell dumped all of his fucking stock in Moderna. And now they're on the run. Like, like that's over boys and girls. I told you it was over. And now we have the, the next thing. This is the next thing. And we knew that they were going to go to the next thing and it had to be bigger than the thing before it because they will, they, they will leak this evidence out. They will leak out that Pfizer knew and Moderna knew about these trials, they knew that their that they that the information and data they were getting back was unsafe. They'll release all that. They'll release all of that amidst all this chaos, and now everything's going to be Russia, Russia, Russia. I was um, following the Twitter feeds of uh, Republicans last night. They're foaming at the mouth. 
they're foaming at the mouth to go after Putin. Putin's an animal. Putin's the, I mean, let's be fucking clear, okay? The United States and Vicki Newland and Robert Kagan and Susan Power and uh, and Val Jarrett and Susan Rice and Hillary Clinton, they were the ones that were behind what happened in Ukraine to begin with. They are. They ran a coup in Ukraine. They were the ones that ran the Maidan. I went through that yesterday. You saw all of the NGOs. You had USAID, which is this cover group, essentially, to uh, fund coups and regime changes. That's USAID does. And you had George Soros and the Open Society. It was, it was, a, it was a major operation, and it happened during the Obama administration. And Vicki Newland, by the way, is... an undersecretary. She's back in. She is back in. And she is a, a fucking neocon, okay? So the neocons always find a way to worm their way back into power and back into the administration. Now, in terms of Trump, I think Sheldon Adelson told Trump, look, you got to take Bolton. You got to bring John Bolton. In. And I think Bolton couldn't stand Trump. And I don't think Trump could stand Bolton either. But he had to take him because Sheldon Adelson and Bernie Market were enormous backers of Trump when it came to his election. They gave him a shit ton of cash. So he had to listen to them, especially Sheldon Adelson, because he'd known Sheldon Adelson for a long time. I think Sheldon Adelson might have helped bail out Trump before. He's another casino. He's dead now. By the way, once Sheldon Adelson died, it was like Trump's insulation just evaporated. You can you can basically chart what happens with Trump and his Maxwell. We're not talking about Jean-Luc Brunel who was one of her pimps who died in prison, like a guy that could turn evidence on her. He's dead. All these major things that are happening, they're all going to go away now. We're, it's, just, it's just down the memory hole because this is going to be on your 24-7 news cycle, and it's going to be Putin, 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 Putin. We'll see a unification between the GOP uh, and the Democrats, because if you're a GOP person who says, hey, look, it's nothing that we didn't do in the past there. We just did it surreptitiously. What do you think is going to happen to them? They're coming up on the midterms. They're going to have to say the right thing. By the way, I don't think we're going to have midterms. That's my sense. Biden's numbers are completely shitty. And unless he... He is our wartime president, and all of a sudden his numbers go up because, look, he's a strong leader. Look, he's wearing his bomber jacket. Look, he's wearing his uh, whatever they are, those those glasses. I have a version of those wire rim glasses. Look, oh, Obama is a picture of strength. I don't think Obama is going to make it through the year. I'd be very surprised if we have the midterm elections. 
because they'll get their asses kicked. Like this, no matter what you think of Trump, never what you think of, he was involved in, Trump was still engaged in whatever was going on in Afghanistan. Uh, there, there was covert operations still happening in Syria, but he wasn't in any major fucking wars like this. And I think Putin knew better, or maybe they had a handshake deal. Maybe when he passed him the soccer ball, it was, you know, somewhere in there was a microchip that had all the data and said, here's, here's what we're doing. Who knows? I don't know. But it, we do know that it didn't happen. Now, here's a little interesting wrinkle. Israel has come out in support of Ukraine, which means that they have disapproved of Russia's actions. Well, I guess what Russia just said, Russia has now said that they're not going to recognize Israel's sovereign right to occupy the Golan Heights, which is that area between Syria and Israel. Hello? Russia's already in, Israel, in Syria. So now we have our little friend in the Middle East who is being drawn into this kind of Turkey already denounced what Russia was doing. This was days ago. So, and they have to, because if I'm not mistaken, Turkey's part of NATO, right? I know they're part of the G8. Let's watch some uh, some more uh, live footage here so you guys can see some of the collateral damage. And um, I'll look for a live stream. All right, here we go. That's pretty significant. That was a four-second video. Uh, it's like a major explosion. Rural area. I mean, let's be clear. The, the, the Obama administration ran a coup. This is what Bolsheviks do. They run fucking coups. And they're Bolsheviks. The neocons are Bolsheviks. And, you know, we've gone through their lineage and their historical migration before. But if you're new to the show, if you're listening on the podcast, you haven't heard it before, the Bolsheviks come out of Leon Trotsky and his inner circle, and they left Russia because Joe Stalin looked around and said, I got to get rid of Trotsky. This is what happens when you have a dictator that's in power. They don't want anybody else around them that has an inkling of power or a network or political connections. So Stalin got the word out. It's like, I'm, I'm going after Leon Trotsky. So Trotsky and his crew, it wasn't just Trotsky. It was like, hey, I'm going to go fly over to Mexico by myself and, and start banging Frida Kahlo. Um, it was a group of them. So there, it was Trotsky and his inner circle. And of course, uh, Stalin finds a way to get an assassin into the home of Diego Rivera and put an ice pick in the back of Leon Trotsky's head. When that happens, he's in her circle. They flee They're like, hey, we got to get out of here. Where do they go? They go to Chicago. That's where they go. They land in Chicago and they become uh, the roots of the neocons. Now, initially, because they're communists and Bolsheviks, right, they 
are neoliberals and they infiltrate the University of Chicago. And the, the big person in that group is somebody by the name of Norman Potteritz. He becomes sort of one of the deans of what we would call neoconism. They have morphed into Zionists, but they're shapeshifters. They could move into any administration. So they were neoliberals for a long time until they saw where power was headed. And they saw that power was headed towards the Republicans, the Republican Party, the right, the GOP. So they recast themselves as neoconservatives. And they started to make their infiltration in through the Nixon administration. People like Dick Cheney and Don Rumsfeld, who were Shabbos Goys for the Bolsheviks and the neocons, got their kickstart in the uh, Nixon administration. So did Roger Stone. So that's where it all starts with Nixon and the neocons. And then they kind of go away because after Nixon, there's Carter and Carter's got a different group around him. He's got his, his peanut mafia, all his guys from Georgia. And they're not part of that. But you notice that Carter only lasted one term and his term was not easy, all the conditions. And I'm not saying that, that it wasn't Carter's fault. Carter made some really egregious errors. Uh, and, but they made sure that he was a one-term president, just like they made sure that Trump was a one-term president. If they don't like you and you're not supposed to be there, they will make your conditions a living hell. And they did absolutely that when they took over the embassy in Tehran. That was it. Carter had already had some major fuck-ups, but that was it. That was that was the bear trap around Carter's ankle. He could not escape it. And ultimately, the day that Reagan does this and is sworn in, the whole hostage crisis ends. Isn't that interesting? And guess what? The neocons show up again. They come right back in through Reagan. You've got Rumsfeld, you've got Cheney. You have their connections with all the people that I'm talking about. William Crystal, uh, Richard Pearl, Paul Wolfowitz, Robert Kagan. Robert Kagan's father was another of the uh, neocon, sort, sort of the, the, the um, that's what I'm looking for, the scion, like the scions of the neocons. These, these are the, these are the, the, the ideological heads of this neocon ideology, which is about power. It's about power. And they don't care what side of the fence that they're on. And what's interesting is that as soon as Trump became president, like I said, the only person he had inside of the Trump administration who was a neocon was John Bolton. He, and I don't think he wanted him. And Bill Crystal, who is a walking piece of excrement. Um, he hated Trump. And so they were morphing back into the Democratic Party. They were morphing back into the, they're just shapeshifters. They don't care. They don't care who is in, in control. They don't care who's, you know, occupying the White House. They really don't care. 
they'll they'll just morph right back into like Vicki Newland, husband's Robert Kagan. She's back in the White House. They're neocons, hello. And they were the architects of what happened in Ukraine. Remember when she, she was passing out bread or cookies or whatever? Oh, here you go. She's a cancer, by the way, so she was being nurturing. So these are the people that got us in the fucking mess. And these are the people that this is what they specialize in. They specialize in regime change. That's what they do. They come out of the Bolshevik uh, lineage. There is no Bolshevik revolution without Leon Trotsky. Lev Bronstein, which is Israel. There's no, there, it doesn't happen. He's living in New York, and they send him over to Russia with a shit ton of gold so that they can start paying people off. And he was on a ship. They stopped in Canada first. Of course, in Canada, they have to do customs check and everything, and they found Trotsky, and they found all this fucking gold. And they wired the United States. They said, hey, look, we got this guy. He's coming out of the United States. Uh, looks like his credentials are a little shaky. And by the way, he's got you know, half a million dollars in gold. And half a million dollars in gold at that time is probably worth, I don't know, maybe $30 million in gold now. Maybe more. I don't know the, the exchange. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. He's okay. He's on a special mission for us. Let him go. So Trotsky has the money. He's got the logistics because they've been planning this. They've been planning all of this in New York because they'd gotten kicked out. They had gotten kicked out of Russia. That's why they were in New York. You had Emma Goldman. There's another, you know, another Bolshevik, soon to be neocon. And they, at that time, it's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? We're going to topple this monarchy and we're going to use socialism and communism as the model. They're not attached to the model. They're not attached to the model at all. They're just attached to power. That's it. So if he doesn't show up, the Bolshevik revolution doesn't happen. If the Germans don't let Lenin out of prison, and he doesn't get on that train that goes through Switzerland and eventually winds up in Moscow, of course, with money as well. This doesn't happen. So there's this concerted effort, just like now you have this concerted effort with Germany, concerted effort with the United States, because they're the ones that have run these regime changes. They're the ones that are enforcing these sanctions. Just saying. And here we are. Now, Putin, I, who knows with Putin? I mean, I've seen Putin, you know, with pictures of him at uh, Chabad. Let's, let's do a little Putin at Chabad moment here. Let's do some images.
you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe Putin is going through the motions. I don't, again, it's very, very hard to make judgments and assessments, but we have all these pictures, right? Here's Putin lighting uh, the Torah, right? He's, there he is. What an honor. It's like he's lighting the Hanukkah candles. Not what to call it. Isn't that, uh, where we call the, uh, here he is again. With the Chabad mafia. Look at these guys. These guys are fucking gangsters. Russian president Vladimir Putin dedicates Holocaust Memorial Chabad Lubavitch World Headquarters. My internet connection is unstable. Don't look too happy there. Russia's chief rabbi reportedly paid secret visit to Iran on a trip organized by Putin. Here's Medvedev. Now look at this. This is a very, very important passage. This basically shows that we are the chosen people. Do you see that right there? And guess what? It talks about the people who help us and the rewards that they reap. They're always pointing something out in some fucking book. Putin here is looking like, you got to be fucking shitting me. He's got the, you got to be fucking shitting me look in his face. Really? You're, you're, you're breaking out this number shit right now? I'm not, I'm not about that. Very happy here. But then we have all these other clerical. So this is a, a, a multi-denominational gathering. All these guys in the back. Now they're having a little toasty toasty right there. Again, if you're watching, you can see this. Uh, if you're not watching, this is uh, Putin with his greatest moments with Habad Lubavitch. And there's quite a few. Looking very friendly there. Uh, let's see. This is Crown Heights. Crown Heights is a big... Jewish area in New York. Putin visits Israel, plotted by Russian Jewry. So again, I mean, is, is Putin just going through the motions here? Boy, could they get any closer? I don't, I don't like close personal space like that. But anybody who, you, you know, you know, when somebody gets really close to you, it's like, I'm backing up. I could stay there for a minute or two, a second or two, like maybe 10 seconds. But when somebody comes up to me and they invade my personal space, like I got a, I got a, I got a zone. I have a zone. And once you get into my zone a little bit, I'm okay for a while. Like, okay, I'm not going to just react and hit retreat. But I do wind up kind of reclaiming my space. And if they move further, I move off to the side, which is usually helpful. Yeah, like here's another picture. So Putin's got, oh, he's got all these 
nice embraces with Habad. Yeah, yeah, again, this could all just be political, right? If you're smart, you're you're making these connections with all these people because you want to you want to make oh here's Chuck uh, Chuck Schumer and the Habad Mafia. Don't these guys just like fucking mafia dons? They don't miss many meals either, do they? They're never they're hardly ever skinny or thin. They don't miss many meals. Who's this? Loda. Man, Putin, Putin and Habad are he's pinning a medal on this guy. Uh the ties that bind Habad, Russia, Russian mafia, and Semyon Moglovich. Oh, this might be a good this on Twitter. You see what I'm talking about here? So really, who is Vladimir Putin, right? A lot of people in the West think of Vladimir Putin, who's this Orrin Hatch. I mean, they're all over the place. <laughs> Hatch joins Jewish rabbis in seeking return of sacred texts held by Russia. They always show up as a gang. You never just see them as like, well, here we go. Here's one. Like I said, they don't miss many meals, do they? I don't think so. All right, let's see what else is happening here with uh, good old Mother Russia and Ukraine. Let me see if I can find a live stream. A lot of the live streams are going to be probably compromised. and But let me try to find one. Let's go to YouTube. I want to come in and check on you guys with your new chat client. I did this uh, graphic for the show with Howdy. I really like this graphic. What do you think of that? I like this graphic. This is from the show that we did um, on Friday, which everybody loves. Howdy McCoskey, the end of the movie. That's not Howdy, by the way, is, is a really great dude. He is a really great dude. Uh, I love that guy. I think he might've played hockey. I looked up Howdy McCoskey on, for his website and, and I found a bunch of hockey stats and they're from a Howard McCoskey that played junior hockey in Ottawa. I think he was, I think Howdy was a competitive hockey player. I got to ask him about that. Okay, so let's do this. Uh, Ukraine, let's just find a, let's even find a live stream in Ukraine. See what we can see here. Okay, this is, this is live now. Let's see what we get here with this. Uh, looks like, where is this? Watch view of Kiev as Russia launches military assault against Ukraine. All right, so if you are listening to this, what you're watching now is the beautiful city of Kiev with some of its front and center, including uh, this 
telluric column right in the center of the town square. In the background, we can see what looks like a massive Orthodox church, which for all intents and purposes probably played the role of something very different when it was constructed and used in a very different time. It's illuminated. Uh, it's a in Ukraine. So they say that this is a live stream. Uh, let's see what we have here. Okay, so this is different now. So it's not completely live stream. So we're, we're later into the live stream. Let's see where we are now. It's daytime. I don't see any smoke. I don't see any collateral damage. There's traffic going back and forth through the town square. And let's see what else we have. This is very interesting. You have the masculine principle here, the feminine principle, very feminine principle there. Okay, let's see what else we have now. It's getting later again. And we're moving from darkness through the day to dusk. Where are we now? We're back into... There's a there's quite a few more lights off. Okay, so if you start at the beginning of the video, which is dark. Okay, I guess the beginning of the video is light, but we do we go into darkness here? Originally it looked like there were more lights on at night. And I don't think this is on a loop. No, it's not on a loop. Yeah, you can see that beautiful structure in the background right there. Some of these buildings are very, very old. Super old. This is old. These are This is an old building. Like, you know, but they also have some newer stuff here. This looks newer. These are very old. With the columns here. So what I'm seeing here with Kiev is pretty much business as usual. That's what you're witnessing now in a not so live live stream. I'm just clicking around. See some people walking around uh, in the town square, but not a lot of pedestrians. So it looks like we're in dusk, same amount of pedestrians, same amount of traffic. I don't see any attacks. I'm not seeing any missiles. I'm not seeing any bombs. I'm not seeing any tracers. There it is again at night. So we've moved into the nighttime phase. Pretty well lit up. Pretty well lit up.
wouldn't mind visiting, actually. Look at that. I don't know. It's a live stream, and I'm not seeing any uh, major effects of any bombing, any shelling. The night sky is not being lit up. The watch view of Kiev as Russia launches military assault. I'm not seeing the assault. Okay. Well, why don't we stop the share there? Maybe I can find another live stream here. Maybe we'll find the live stream that actually has the carnage and the damage that uh, that we're looking for here. Not that I'm looking for, but that doesn't look like a country under attack. Or here's another one, Reuters live view. Of, that's Ma Maidan Square, Maiden Square. I guess that's where they had the big Ma Ma uh, Maidan revolutionary moment. Again, that's live. I'm showing you right now what's going on live. Uh, inside of Ukraine. There it is right there. This is from Reuters. It's the same camera angle, same view. Made on square, lit up. Uh, I don't see many people on the street, but steady flow of traffic. Honestly, it does not look like a capital under siege. Now, if you're Putin, you're not going to go after this. That's not that's not how it works. That's not how war works. What you do is you go after the military infrastructure. So this is a lot. Okay, this is from the sun, live full scale invasion. It's the same camera angle. They all have the same camera angle, and we're not watching a live full-scale invasion. I'm not seeing it. Right, here we go, multiple view viewpoints. So this is a little bit different. Let me, let's tap into this for a second here. Let's see what we have. All right, Ukraine, uh, live multiple views, uh, Russian invasion. I don't, I mean, maybe that's, we have Kharkov, Dnipro, uh, um, Odessa, and Kiev. And local time is 6.23 at night. Okay. I'm sure that there's been some damage done to their military. Maybe there, this is not a full scale invasion. I don't see it. Traffic, life as usual. Dinapur looks like a pretty nice place. Look at that. Pretty modern on the water. Man. Looks like I missed out on Ukraine as a travel destination. By the way, I, I was uh, 
indulging in uh, looking at Ukrainian women last night online. Because if they're under attack, I want to see what the women look like. And uh, it would be an utter shame. Really, they're pawns. But the neocons are filthy. And they came in and they started gaming the system. They turned Ukraine, the government, not the people, um, into their whore. They started to launder money. They were running trafficking rings with these beautiful Ukrainian women out of Ukraine. And, of course, we have Burisma. We have Biden. We have all the corruption there. So they use it as laundering uh, under the table business operation. That's what they used it for. And when uh, the president of Ukraine wanted to move away from the EU, that was their, that was their go. It's like, you, we got to go. We don't want this guy getting too close to Russia because we want in. Remember, the other thing about Ukraine that I talked about yesterday is the natural resources in Ukraine. Natural resources and reserves. These are, these are a, a lot of these countries that were balkanized or de-balkanized, I guess, balkanized after. They were balkanized before the former Soviet Union, and then balkanized again. A lot of them have significant natural resources that the Russians or the former Soviet Union were not able to tap into because they didn't have the widespread and highly advanced technology that would allow them to extract the resources um, efficiently and sufficiently. So these countries are sitting on a lot of seriously untapped resources. Go to uh, Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan, that's a whole other area, right? That has a huge amount of resources, particularly natural gas. So, you know, this, this would also offer the, the neocons to go in and not just money launder and exploit and do all the things that they've done uh, in Ukraine, but also begin to tap it to their natural resources. And if you're the people of Ukraine, it's like you, you just feel like you're being bounced around like a fucking pinball. I mean, that's that's the biggest crime there is the is the Ukrainian people. And not because they're suffering the wrath of you know the coming of the Antichrist with Vladimir Putin. It's because they've been a constant source of these regime changes. And especially, it started in what, 1994? If I'm not mistaken, the, the late 90s, it was, the, it was, I think it was 94, 98 of the Orange Revolution. And then they go, go to, um, not, 2000, I think it was 2004, 2004 Orange Revolution. And then 2014, um, they have, this Maidan revolution, which is, again, a setup by Vicky Nuland, her husband, and the neocon Bolsheviks, who've been doing this for decades. They're, they wrote the playbook on it, okay? So now you have Vladimir Putin coming 
essentially kicking their ass out. Now, if Putin was smart and he is smart or whoever is Putin, whatever, whatever Putin is, he could be a eighth generation clone for all I fucking know. Okay. Cause he hasn't, he hasn't aged or changed one iota since he emerged onto the scene, maybe a little bit more hair, but the guy hasn't changed. And there's pictures of somebody who looks like Putin. knows what this character or this entity is. I don't, I don't know. And if you think, you know, you're probably, you know, th throwing, throwing darts with a blindfold on, honestly. But if whoever this entity is or whatever intelligentsia is there in Russia, because the people that are around Putin, the people that are comprised of his inner circle, right. And their sons, I don't think, I don't think they're timeless clones. Anyway, that said, if I was that group and if I was Putin, first thing I would do is I would lower all the energy prices in Ukraine. Lower them because they have really high energy prices. For a country that does have resources, they have super high energy prices, I'd lower energy prices. I'd do everything in my power to make the Ukrainian people realize that they're getting a better deal now than the one that they had because what will you do? You'll win over their loyalty. It's like, oh shit. I mean, what if somebody in this country? It'd be we're so, we have our brains so scrambled in this fucking country because we did have somebody like that to some degree in Trump, who came in and and you know the fuel prices were much lower. We didn't have inflation. Employment was rising. It was like, okay, what if what if somebody other than Trump did that? Let's say, I don't know. I'll put in a very, very, who's the most mild Republican I can think of that ran for president? I think, I think, I think the left would have branded Rand Paul an extremist. So he, Ted Cruz, no, that wouldn't work. I'm trying to think who was really, really moderate as part of the Republican primary process. How about Marco Rubio? How about, how about the bubble boy? Let's say Marco Rubio was president and I'm sure they'd find some shit about Mark, but not like Trump. Okay. By the way, when I looked at Marco Rubio's chart and I did this a long time ago when I was at Gaia, I thought to myself, this is, this is a chart of a guy who could be elected president. He, he has a very interesting chart. Um, and I, I'm not sure you've heard the the end of Marco Rubio, but that's a different story. Um, but let's say it was Marco Rubio. They wouldn't have the same animus towards Marco Rubio as they would Trump. Let's say it was Ben Carson. That's a better example. Ben Carson. First of all, he's pretty gentle. He's not going to get on Twitter. He's not going to, you know, call people out on Twitter. It's not going to be what he does. So he's not going to be antagonizing. He happens to be black. So he's got a, a little bit of the race shield, a little bit. Um, and let's say all these things happened with Ben Carson, that energy prices went down, employment went up, inflation went down. It all happens on his watch. 
eventually he'd win people over. Eventually people were like, wow, we're getting a good fucking deal here. We like this person. It's what happens when you have somebody who's theoretically benevolent and is accepted by the people and the conditions of living are improved. The standard of living is improved. Guess what? They're popular unless there's a group that is invested in making them unpopular. That's how the game works. That's how it works. If your standard and condition of living are better when a certain person is connected to it, usually they like that person. With Trump, it, 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 all the rules go out. They go out the door. So if I was Putin, that's what I would do. I would make the energy prices go low. I wouldn't touch any of these cities. I wouldn't touch Odessa. I wouldn't touch Kharkov. I wouldn't touch Kiev. I wouldn't touch any of them. Because those people would be, you know, you're destroying infrastructure too. So one thing about war is not good. It's destruction of the infrastructure. You don't want to do that. You want to be selective. You want to be, you want to target. You want to be strategic. You don't want to just wildly carpet bomb fucking Kiev because you'll turn all the people against you, which is why the whole narrative of the civil war doesn't add up in Sherman's March and all the other bullshit that goes along with it. Okay. I'm going to leave you with this because we have seven minutes left in the show and I'm going to go in. I'm going to check in. I've been letting you play with the chat. I haven't gone in because when I went in earlier, you guys were pulling your hair out. So you've had some time to go in and kind of adjust to the chat. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to look at how you're doing. And I can change the chat. I feel like God now. This is, I feel like God. And I can just change chat every day. I'm going to turn this into kind of a, a Stanford prison experiment. I'm going to give you a new chat every day and see how you deal with the chat. No, I'm just fucking with you. Um, I'm just trying to find something that works. So... We'll see. Let me leave you this with Russia. If you go back and you look at the 20th century and you look at the chess champions of the 20th century, who are they? They're Russians. Only one person, one guy came in and knocked the Russians off their crown. And that was Bobby Fischer. A Pisces. Bobby Fischer is an interesting character. Super interesting character. Very smart. Like he must have had an IQ probably upwards of 200. Like high 190s, easily upwards of 200. But that's an important note because the Russians were chess masters. Now, they also use some very interesting tactics when their, their, their grandmasters played against other grandmasters. which Bobby Fischer alluded to. Bobby Fischer was very smart and slightly paranoid, and for probably good reason. But just keep that in mind. These are grandmaster chess players. And those kinds of skills do not go away. And in fact, those skills are, guess what? They're incorporated into computers and machine learning and AI, right? So AI is only as good as the programmers. 
So if you have a society that's cultivated and produced grandmaster chess champions, and they're the ones that are programming theoretically the AI, what do you think they're doing? What, do you th what kind of AI do you think they have? Pretty advanced, especially if they're using machine learning and quantum computing, and I'm sure they are because they're no dummies. Anyway, we're in it now. Uh, try to stay calm. Uh, be very careful about the mainstream media that you consume. It's not the best for your consumption. Uh, it'll raise your cortisol levels. I will say cash laying around. Looks like precious metals. There's a run on precious metals. You know, you probably wanted to get them about three months ago or two months ago, but they're still, they could still go up. So these are things you can do, um, you know, get some propane, get some propane heaters. You have to prepare for this stuff. So that's my advice to you. And if the lights go out, if the power goes out, when it comes back on, we may be living with a very, very different world. Just file that away. In the meantime, I will be back here tomorrow. And we'll be charting this as much as we can and for as long as we can. And try to add some insight and clarity into what's happening. And um, I'll be on Twitter today. And I'll be putting up some tweets so you can follow me there. Phoenix Astro 9. Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart two-step once possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Take good care of yourselves. Keep your head on your shoulder. Remember now, the true node is conjunct algol, which means that a just your head is not connected to your body. Stay in your body. Stay in your body. Do, do not decapitate your own awareness. All right? Take care. Bye for now. Uh, Chataria, I'll check in with you guys. I'll see how you're doing. Thanks for being